Welcome back to another episode of Sustainalytic Sustainable Finance Solutions Podcast, a monthly roundup of the latest transactions and developments in the sustainable finance space globally. In each episode, we take you through some of the latest news that caught our eye, noteworthy transaction that has hit the market and kept off with discussing regulatory updates. This roundup is the created shortlist for a download on what's happening in the sustainable finance space globally and it may just spark some ideas for future deal centrist actions. This episode is hosted by Nick and Marika, who work in the APEC commercialization team and in the business development across the Asia Pacific. So Nick, what are some of the headlines and interesting things um, you have seen? Thank you, Marika, and hello to all of our listeners. We're almost up to two years of the podcast, so we've got a few loyal listeners now. So thanks for the support and some of the great comments that come through. But yeah, hello and welcome to, to you as well, uh, Marika. As we say, smorgasbord of news this podcast could be could be ten hours at some uh, at some stage, but we will try our best to keep it within or around the sort of half hour mark. Yeah, look, pretty lively markets over the October period. We're recording this just after the COP twenty six, so we'll have a bit more of that on the next podcast once we fully sort of digest some of the news and, the, and further context um, around that. But yeah, pretty interesting markets over October. Some of the numbers that came out weren't great. Bit of a pause. But the markets have gone um, pretty nuts this year as it relates to sustainable finance issuances and volumes, you know, massively up versus last year. But I guess we've seen a little bit of volatility recently with, you know, Evergrande and and some of those things. But we hope that the trillion issuance um, in green per annum hits maybe next year or maybe even the, the year after. So still some really good underlying dynamics there, but been a little bit impacted by some of the, the volatility factors that have been around. One of the interesting things I did see over the recent period was some more talk about green uh, IPOs. I think we talked last month about the Allbirds sort of issuing um, as a sustainable company. They're a shoe company in the US, I believe. So um, really interesting articles more about, sorry, the greening of, of IPOs or sustainable companies labeling as such and that flowing through to equity. Watch this space. Sustainalytics is certainly um, increasingly involved in that sort of side of things. And we did an ESG risk assessment, um, actually, for, as part of the Allbirds issuance. So come and talk to us about some of those dynamics of support for, for IPOs, which are sort of building out. It's a very interesting development there. Google, we all Google every day. They've added some details on flights in terms of searching for flights, some carbon emission data and, and various things. So I love the, the transparency that continues to grow and become part of our daily lives, which affects behavior, which, you know, some of those behavioral things hopefully get funded in some of these instruments over time. So great to see. A little bit of an odd one here, but cool all the same. Green Bitcoins. So obviously, you know, Bitcoins take a fair bit of energy to, to mine, you know, pretty small, I guess, in the overall energy usage globally, but on a relative basis, you know, pretty high for, for what they are. So there were some green Bitcoins. So for those who are hunting for Bitcoins, maybe look for the uh, the green ones now. I don't know if we'll ever see an issuance for hunting green Bitcoins, but uh, but we'll see. So yeah, just cool, uh, cool developments. There, there was actually a, a really interesting conference or, or day held by Environmental Finance, but just some really good information they have on their on their site and some events that they have about um, ESG risk ratings, how multi-dimensional they are versus uh, the credit ratings that we normally see in the market, the nuanced debate around them, um, diversity of opinion we think is really important. So really a really cool event there, but we, we're having lots of discussions with different people about all the, the different ratings for ESG. But as we say, there's power in diversity of opinion, and I think that's a good thing and important to look through to see what someone is actually measuring, and it's good to have some different views. 
I noticed an interesting article, Marika, on was a little bit emotive, this one. ESG derivatives, a weapon of green destruction. Wow. <laughs> Our favourite topic, Nick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So hats off to a, a lively headline. But again, you know, our view on some of these things, it's, it's good to see innovation in the market. There's probably good ways and maybe not so solid ways of connecting green sustainability links to some of these type of different financial products. Derivatives, we probably see more in the linked sort of space rather than labeled as green or maybe enabling green. But great to see more innovation, you know, more more challenge is certainly good. A shout out to a couple of reports. Um, one of the best reports I've seen on, on taxonomies, it's a bit of a beast of a report, quite long, but it's very detailed from the Texas and excellent um, summary of global taxonomies or sorry, a global picture of taxonomies and the regionalization of those. If you look for that, uh, principles for designing effective taxonomies, I think even the BIS, Bank of International Settlements, has come out with a document around that too. So pretty uh, pretty cool to see. Nuclear power, again, just sharing some, some different things that we notice in the market that we think are going to come into sustainable finance in one way or another was nuclear power. And I've been talking about that sort of internally with some folks just about when we think we'll see that. And I think we've even seen a recent transaction, which we'll talk about in the next podcast, more and more discussion. And Bill Gates has been leading a bit of that through some of his books and and readings. And it's coming up more as a discussion on a bunch of podcasts that I actually uh, listen to. So yeah, watch this space. Not sure where the market will sort of land on full acceptance or part acceptance for some of that. So let's see. COP26, we'll talk about more in the next podcast. Again, I think there's a, there's a whole range of commitments. The debate, did it go far enough? Did it achieve what it was meant to? A whole range of opinions. And we'll do a bit of a segment in the next episode that sort of looks at maybe some of the key commitments and how we see that flowing through to sustainable finance. We're sort of putting together our notes so we can do that concisely. But I think positive for action assuming actions are taken commitments are great but they don't mean much without action so hopefully the more actions are taken the more financing is needed flows through the market let's start let's see over the 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 recent period we saw an interesting development for a a relinked slb that was issued by bank of china so check that out it's definitely an interesting one whereby the slb or sustainability link bond issued by them was connected to, um, I think, a relatively small amount of underlying sustainability link loans and the coupons move depending on the outcomes um, of those loans. Interesting structure. Looked a bit complicated when I read it about how all the pricing works and everything else. But again, innovation, good to see, robustness, clarity. You know, those are maybe the points to the market or debate on the best way to, to structure some of these instruments. Let's see, but check it out as, as an example of at least something uh, something new. Biodiversity, we've talked about before, continues. I think just after we recorded the last podcast, there was a big um, meeting virtually through Kunming in China in the lead up to COP and lots more will come out of that, I think, as there's a biodiversity COP next year, but definitely connected to a lot of the things we saw in COP26 just a couple of other things. It's geez, it's been a super recent period and month, really. Also, liked a couple of other things. Marika BlackRock. I think Larry Fink at BlackRock saying the next um, the next thousand unicorns are going to come from the green industry. So that's really, really good to see. So hopefully, some more startups, innovative companies driving innovation and sustainability. Certainly great stuff. Sounds like music in my ears. (laughs) Absolutely. There's an overload of reports. If anyone's Twitter feed and podcast feed and LinkedIn feed was was like mine in the build-up to COP, trying to absorb everything that was happening. Some some fantastic stuff in the market. A couple of reads we'd recommend. A couple of great methane reports by McKinsey and also the IEA. 
IEA coming out with a hydrogen review, um, IEA coming out with a China, a road to net zero, the Energy Transition Commission coming out with excellent you know, reports. That's one of my favorite sites to check out. And also HSBC Center for Sustainable Finance brings out a lot of really good stuff um, as well. Um, and they had a, um, an excellent article on science-based target setting for portfolios and, and a really maybe more practical way to some of the other very heavy literature around. So just check out those. It's raining reports, that's for sure. CBI being very active. Just one shout out to CBI for their interactive tool that's on their website about how to interrogate the market, regions, type of issuances, use of proceeds. It's excellent. So check out their interactive tool there. And they've come out with a bunch of reports on Latin America, pooled financing, China securitization. So there's been some super busy organizations releasing a lot of great reports. And we hope that at least mentioning some of those, our listeners can take them away and, and do a bit of self-study, but certainly reigning reports. So I'm nearly out of breath out of all of that, Marika, but a huge, um, huge month and lots of interesting things, which the intent and objective of that um, segment is to really talk about some of the broader things that are happening that will impact sustainable finance and some of those reports, you know, evidence, maybe some of the forward looking trends. So check those out. Anyway, before I explode from not breathing or trying to speak too fast, uh, Marika, green bonds, what's caught your eye? Thanks, Nick. And this was a really interesting roundup of the recent developments. There's definitely a lot of good stuff to check out. Yeah, I mean, in the green bond space, still, again, a lot of activity. I think this is nothing new. Starting with the sovereigns again here, I think I'm repeating myself now for I don't know how many times that there is still a lot going on in the sovereign space. There was also recently published by CBI a good overview on all the countries which have already issued sustainable finance on which have established a framework and which are currently in the making and which countries have not yet issued. So just do check that out, that latest report. It's also quite interesting. But yeah, so what have we seen? So sovereign green bonds, there was the EU, the European Union, they had their debut with, I think now um, succeeded the UK with the highest demanded sovereign green bond. They had an order book of 135 billion. I mean, I cannot even believe like, how many how many uh, investor bits that it's a lot of zeros <laughs> exactly <laughs> no but i mean it just underpins like how huge the demand is for those types of instruments i think ultimately they launched um 13.9 billion or something i think for their securities which will mature in 2037 then we have also seen on the sovereign side, there was Italy. They tapped the market with a green bond. On the inaugural side, there was Serbia with their first euro green bond, 1 billion size. And also Colombia, they had their inaugural green bond launch. And then there is maybe two other sovereigns I would like to highlight because they were of interest. There was on the one hand Hungary, which has launched a Panda bond. So there is some European sovereigns which are planning to return to the Chinese onshore market. And Hungary has just done this Panda bond. So do check that out if you're interested. And then another transaction which I really liked when I saw it was coming from Belize because they're thinking about a blue bond. So they stated that they got inspired by the Seychelles because they launched a blue bond, as you can remember. So basically they are thinking of financing water-related ocean-based projects. So this is something which is really, really good development to see a bit more going on on the blue bond side as well. And then moving to the banks, I mean, there has been a lot going on. 
But just to highlight, there was some activity in Iceland, very small country. So the bank, um, Quicka, uh, sorry, I'm pronouncing that totally wrong, but Quicka, I think um, they came up with a green financing framework for clean transportation, green buildings and renewable energy. Then Netixis CIB, they have placed their first green Formosa bond. And then maybe worth to mention, I found that interesting Barclays. They have launched their inaugural green structured notes program. So the proceeds of these notes, they will be allocated to the financing or refinancing of green activities, such as renewable energy, energy efficiency, sustainable transportation loans, etc. And both the investment and the use of proceeds will be in line with the sustainable finance framework and green issuance framework. And the index is selected in line with the green index selection principles. So maybe a bit more outside of the, of the usual stuff. So this was an interesting transaction. And then also in Asia, there was some activity from the Singapore National Environment Agency, NEA. They have raised a 1.65 billion green bond. It was their first one for um, yeah, sustainable projects in Singapore around the environment. And then a couple of other transactions before I hand back over to you, Nick, which I found interesting was in the oil and gas sector. So there was the Japanese energy firm Impex, and they have issued their first green bond. So just let that sink in. The oil and gas company issued a green bond, but they stated that the use of funds will be restricted to businesses and operations that help improve the state of the environment, such as the development of renewables energies. And I have another example in this in the same space as well. That was Arab Petroleum Investments Corporations. They did a 700 million debut green bond um, with a five-year maturity. And they said their projects will go to green buildings, renewable energy, pollution prevention and control. And then uh, last but not least, there was FAMUR. So also like interesting, interesting sector, interesting space for everyone who is not familiar with FAMUR. This is a mining machinery and equipment company and they came up with a green bond as well. So it seems like there is this shift that those hard to abate sectors stem more and more into the, into the green space directly. And then maybe one last transaction on the green side was Autodesk. So this is a software development company from the US and they launched a sustainable finance framework where we did the SBO. And it's kind of like, it's good to see those type of transactions or so auto automotive. There's a lot going on in this sector at the moment. So this is just another example for this sector to heating up. So that's so far the highlights of the green bond market. Nick, anything on social bonds loan side or also on green loans? I mean, normally they are less public. So maybe if you have some highlights on that space as well, and also the SLBs, I mean, I know we can talk hours about SLBs, but if you could just give us a summary of like those type of, of instruments, that'd be great. Yeah, thanks. Um, definitely. So a couple of highlights more. And as you say, I think you're right. The, the loan side is a little bit harder to get sort of full data on, but we did see, um, and as we know, there's social loan principles launched by the APLMA, um, LTSA and LMA as of a, a few months ago. So more specific social loans go, going to market. In terms of a couple of social bonds to mention, Corian, which launched a, a social bond related to education and schools. Uh, we also saw Banco La Hypo Lacaria. And we really, if anyone is listening, if they can help us on pronunciations, um, we'd be more than uh, more than happy to um, to get a pronunciation uh, coach because as the podcasts go on, the names keep getting more complicated. But I'll try and do those justice uh, with my Aussie twang. 
Um, so again, that that shows us more and more banks have, have issued and selectively has been a number this year just on the social side. If you look at the recent numbers in the market, social stabilizing a little bit in terms of the quantum and its composition in the overall sustainable finance markets versus its huge boom last year. But good to see some some specific dedicated issuance still on the social side, whether that's bond or, or loan format. Um, on the green loans, a couple of things to mention. Again, property continues to be a mainstay there. We saw um, Tongeng in Singapore do another uh, loan. We saw Creative Energy. So lots of property direct um, on that green loan side. And we also saw Orsted do a pretty big green credit facility, I think close to $2 billion. And as we know, Orsted has made an amazing transformation from oil and gas to being pretty much an renewable company and has a lot of projects in you know Taiwan and, and, and Asia and this part of the world. So a um, couple of interesting ones there. I totally agree with you, Marika. Um, apart from a news segment, an SLB segment could take hours as well. And in terms of overall composition within the sustainable finance markets, these are definitely the most fast-growing products, so SLLs. Um, and SLBs. We'll talk about a few of the SLBs and, and come back to some SLLs a little bit later. Uh, but we did see Singapore Telecommunications um, or Singtel, which we actually uh, worked on in addition to TELUS and Deutsche Telkom and some others that have been done in the market focusing on GHGs. So that's great to see. OVS, uh, fashion retailer, we saw, and again, that picks up the fashion trend from H&M and Chanel that we looked at earlier in the year. I'm not a huge fashion fan in terms of, on, at least on myself, so I haven't dug into those bonds. But again, we know there's sustainability issues connected to those supply chains, and I think they're connected to some GHGs and also some materials and things as part of that. A pretty interesting one I, I saw was in uh, in Rio, actually, in, in LATAM, which was a street lighting PPP, and there was a linked structure connected to that. So um, I couldn't find too much about it, but I thought, oh, that's an interesting one, a PPP structure uh, with a link coming in. So if anyone has any more information about that, please let us know. A little bit of action, like Marika mentioned, on, on the green side, on the, the auto-connected space. We saw Autonom, which we did work on, again, uh, on hot on the heels of um, Europe Car and looking at CO2, uh, emissions per kilometre. We saw gas unis, and I'm sure I'm saying that wrong too. Um, and as I mentioned before, the whole issue around methane coming out of, of COP26 or one of the key themes. Let, let's see if that translates to different types of targets in gas-related deals. Gas is obviously continuing to be pretty topical, whether it lands somewhere in the EU taxonomy, it doesn't. Is it a real bridging transition fuel? Is it not? Um, is the methane the, the worst part? Is that captured all of those sort of issues. Uh, Woolworths, which we also worked on in SLB format, went to market in their Euro denomination in addition to their Aussie a couple of months back, I believe. Uh, Coca-Cola FEMSA in Mexico around GHGs and recycling levels. As Marika also mentioned before, the and we'll see this intensify post-COP, is the, the sovereign push, which is really, really important to catalyzing a lot of markets and, and supporting governments to on expenditures and setting the policy scene. So there was an interesting article I picked up, Iceland considering SLBs under a new sustainability framework. So again, interesting to see to the extent that sovereigns start to pick up linked elements in their frameworks and what they look like, whether it's more SDG type broader goals, which are probably harder for corporates to connect to some of those. Um, so let's see what SLBs look like in a sovereign format, hopefully sooner rather than uh, later. NTU University also went to market focusing on GHG. So again, good to see the further diversification of, of issuer in the market. Um, SAUR, S-A-U-R, a water company also issuing in some sustainability notes there. 
Effie had went to market focusing on on GHGs per uh, per passenger, and again, I think that's the second bond that they've done in link format. Uh, West Farmers, I'm pretty sure, went back to market again focusing on GHGs and gender diversity. West Farmers own a bunch of different businesses in in um, in Australia. Uh, we also saw Henkel, a big plastics uh, manufacturer and related company, uh, focusing on GHGs. Also, Scope Three and some of the recycled percentages and amounts used in their production. So. Interestingly enough, and to note Marika particularly is the scope three, we're really starting to see that being incorporated into more deals. Not everything, not saying it's easy, but parts of scope three, all of scope three, different types of commitments around scope three. So that's a really good development and recycled related or recycling circular type ratios, percentages, also a bit of a mainstay in terms of you know KPIs, depending on business. Speaking of circularity as well, brass chem. So on the chemical side, issuing in um, sustainability-linked notes connected to GHGs. Um, So again, that harder-to-abate sector using SLBs to sort of drive that transition, particularly focused on decarbonisation, which a lot of those instruments are. So further diversification across the board. So yeah, pretty uh, pretty packed month for uh, full of SLBs as well. Thanks, Nick, for that roundup on SLBs. It's really good to hear to, that companies are incorporating more and more Scope 3. I think it's something which you won't get around it in the long run anyway. So it's good to see that companies are starting to looking at this when it comes down to highlighting it besides Scope 1 and Scope 2. Nick, I think we should move now to the um, Q&As because this time we got quite a lot of questions. So let me just whip through those. The first question was around the Bank of China deal, which you mentioned already at the beginning, um, like where they did the SLB tied to the SNLs. I think one question that listener had was also whether this transaction or this framework is aligned with any market standards from ICMA um, or for the from the loan principles. Um, so if you could share some more light on that. Sure. It's, it's a little bit of a tough one to say. And look, I'll preface my comments in saying I haven't looked at it in a huge amount of detail. There's a little bit of information, a couple of pages on, on the BOC sites. So I'd encourage our listeners to you know to check that out, form their view, see what they like, see what they think could be improved. But at the end of the day, it was a bond funding some SLLs and the coupon on that bond uh, was influenced through a calculation of what would happen on the underlying SLLs. I don't have too firm a view as to which standards it, it, it does match or doesn't. But what I'd say is that the pricing mechanism took me a few good times to read and I still don't know if I fully understand that. And then probably some of the points in the market or the discussion points is looking through to the underlying sectors of the loans, looking through to the underlying robustness of the loans. And, you know, it, it can be difficult to assess ambition on an SLB in some industries and, and some markets, let alone almost trying to do that on a portfolio basis um, unless the the targets were all aggregated and, and met a sort of a robust level. So definitely one to check out and we'll see if there's more call it relinked, I think was the was the technical name there. But I guess a difficult one to keep straightforward depending on how many sectors, depending on how homogeneous the targets are, and depending on how that all flows through to a coupon. So probably more questions than answers um, at the moment on that one. Thanks, Nick. And then the other question we received, and I'm sure we will get that more and more in the future, is around the uh, linked derivatives. So the listener is asking what our view is on those linked derivatives. Yeah, so look, I think the first thing I'd say is it's great to have innovation, different products. We've seen deposits, different types of guarantees, all sorts of these things. It's great. Anything that helps 
drive incentives for better sustainability performance, I think is a good thing in the market. Then we always have to look at, you know, what's attached to what type of instrument and make sure that's done in a robust and, and credible way. I guess, broadly speaking on derivatives, as, as I briefly mentioned before, for us, probably not directly green use of proceeds, but more linked. So we have worked on a transaction earlier in the year where we licensed our ESG risk rating to be connected to a swap. And, you know, we're seeing selective interest in that. So I think as a use of proceeds, difficult to justify. Enabling green, supporting green indirectly. Yeah, I think I, I think we'd say that. But I, I think the market will develop more KPI based and then that'll be the part that takes off. And then there'll be a bit of a debate about, okay, ESG linked derivatives, can you only do that to a traditional derivative connected to a green bond, green loan, sustainability linked instrument? Or can you have an ESG linked derivative connected to a conventional loan that might have nothing to do with sustainability? Those are the questions that will come up. So we'll see. But, but great to have innovation and, and anything that, that helps incentivize sustainability, as long as it's done in a credible, transparent way, I think it is good to keep having these products come up. The, the real interesting one, Marika, for me, is the different types of ESG derivatives which haven't been invented yet that will come up that are connected to sustainability issues but actually don't exist yet. So let's see how, uh, how that develops. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on that one. Yeah, as, as you said, this is like a, a developing space to watch and will be interesting to see like how the market moves on this topic. Um, Nick, there's another question from, um, from one of the listeners, but uh, depending on how much time we have for today, we can either save it or do it this time. But I think some got interested in the elephant story you, you mentioned um, in one of our last podcasts. Um, so just... Just highlighting it here because I don't want to hide this to our listeners if some people seem to be interested in that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the question. Maybe it should be the title of my book if I ever write some, some memoirs, <laughs> Carjacked by an Elephant in Bangladesh. But anyway, for those who don't recall, for somehow, for some reason, I was talking about um, being carjacked by an elephant in Bangladesh, riding on the freeway in a car, cars come to a stop, an elephant will not budge, uh, is basically where I got to, I think, in the story. And the rest and the remaining part of the story, and again, I hope our listeners find this interesting and it answers the question for the, for the listener who asked. Basically, we're on the freeway, we stopped. Uh, the elephant was in front of us blocking our way and wouldn't move. The trunk came in the car. A couple of uh, bananas were, were offered as a peace offering. The elephant gladly took those and the trunk came back in. Some more bananas were produced. The trunk went back out. The trunk came back in. And then I think we all twigged as to the elephant uh, had been trained to also be encouraged to maybe receive a financial donation for its, um, its, its self-conservation there. So some money was produced, the trunk took the cash, and the elephant quickly proceeded to move off the highway, and we were on our way. So I think it sounds a bit more dramatic to describe that as a carjacking. Technically, that may be more of stopped, but I think hijacking is a bit more theatrical, and that is a true story. And then the, the amusing part for me afterwards was, I hope you guys didn't give the elephant too much cash. That, that looked like a big wad of money. And I think it was about 50 cents in the end. So I would say 50 cents well spent and four bananas uh, well spent as well. But Bangladesh, fascinating country where uh, interesting things happen. So maybe not technically a, a carjacking, Marika, but a, a stopping. But let's let's just say it was a carjacking. It makes me sound a bit uh, a bit more adventurous. <laughs> 
No, thanks a lot, Nick, for sharing that. I'm sure our listeners enjoy some like detour to a totally <laughs> different, so. different topic, a, a bit away from the busy sustainable finance market. So <laughs> thanks for sharing that story. No, uh, no problem. Okay. Yeah, thanks, Marika. We hope our listeners found that somewhat amusing. But what I would say, I was at the time in Bangladesh doing some impact investing, sustainable finance work, and we will see Bangladesh come in a big way, possibly in social and lots of different green-related challenges as well. So I guess there is a bit of a link back to our podcast theme, sort of. All right, SLLs. So with all the linked trends that we're seeing, Marika, how's that translating to the SLL market? A little bit harder to to find full information, interrogate KPIs and targets fully, but anything that's jumped out that you have seen? Yeah, Nick, I think there are two SLLs I found which were in particular interesting for me. So I would like to quickly highlight them to our listeners. The one was around agriculture. So I think it's really good to see development on that front. And the transaction came from PAMO. I understand they're also known as Landcorp, and this is one of New Zealand's biggest farming business. And what they did is they, I understand that it's the first sustainability linked loan in the agri sector, which has a 1.5 degree science-based emissions reduction target in that SLL. So regardless if it's like agri or not, um, I mean, this is always like really strong and really, really good if a company is including that in their targets. I also understand that transaction, the company is aligned with SPTI in general. And yeah, I think the targets were mainly around uh, those GHG reductions then. And also they had things in there around animal welfare, the people, the climate change on adaption and mitigation. Um, so generally, looks like a really interesting transaction to check out if you're looking for um, yeah, alignment with SBTI, um, agri-sector, etc. And then the second one, which I found interesting, is related to supply chain. So also, I'm highlighting it because I think we really need to see also more supply chain included in companies' um, actions and the instruments. So this transaction came from Ericsson. They have done an SLL where the second KPI is to align their high emitting suppliers to a global warming target. So sounds pretty interesting and ambitious to do that, to get your suppliers basically for a reduction target. But yeah, if you're interested, check this Ericsson transaction out. And yeah, with that, I leave it because we have talked already a lot about SLBs as well. So Nick... Anything else, um, which type of instruments do we have left, like labeled or maybe transition? I know we, we, there's not so much going on, but maybe if you have seen anything on transition or also like on countries, whatever has sparked your eye. Yeah, sure. So let me whip, whip through that. And for the listeners still hanging on, um, lots that we've covered already today, we'll, we'll sort of wrap up just a um, quick couple of minutes. But yeah, look, a bit of news in terms of labelled, I'd say more themes um, and products around export project finance, maybe linked a little bit tough. We've seen a bunch of issuers go at least in green format to support longer term contracts and buyers of pretty significant equipment in many markets. ESG derivatives, again, coming up quite a bit. Lots of programs from the banks about EVs, buildings, upgrades, green mortgages, those sorts of things. We're still seeing a lot funds set up to support SLLs. So we've seen that the relinked idea on the SLB, but also now funds setting up and we'll see how their returns are impacted by the, the underlying changes or achievement or otherwise of 
of um, of sustainability um, uh, targets. A little bit on debt for climate swaps from some developing countries. I haven't figured out all all of those, but interesting to see some of these different climate ambitions being integrated into some of these sovereign type structures. Um, Tomasic launched an interesting platform for uh, for financing sustainable infrastructure. So lots of platforms starting to come up to, to aggregate uh, some of this space, which is certainly good to, to see. In terms of transition, again, probably the sustainability link market is really taking the limelight a bit away from transition. And many of those SLBs are, are kind of transition flavoured in many ways, focusing on decarbonisation. But just a couple of things, the apparel sector, SBTI came out with a paper and, and finalising some targets uh, around that. The CA100 had a great report, engagement and transition for a uh, few utilities. They've also got a great paper on aviation from a, a couple of months ago. Um, then a couple of really big roadmaps. The Global Cement Council came out with a roadmap to 2050. I'll check that out because it's it's got a couple of great slides in it, with which are all the key initiatives and actually fit well with our transition view and certainly some use of proceeds funding getting dedicated to that. Arena, the International Renewable Energy Association, came out with a fantastic paper on shipping. It's a bit of a long read, about 100 pages, but lots of consolidated information about the path forward in shipping. And we've really started to notice some some more activity around the airlines buying, in this case, Delta Air buying a sustainable aviation company or maybe even aviation um, fuel there. So M&A activity around some companies meeting and driving their transition targets, pretty interesting stuff uh, there. In terms of countries, super quick, lots of news through ASEAN, uh, Indonesia, the news coming out of Hong Kong, Singapore having expanded programs, Thailand continuing to be pretty progressive, very supportive markets in the Philippines, lots of lead up and post COP26 related stuff from the EU and the bonds you mentioned already, Marika activity in the Middle East, activity in um, in Africa, activity in LATAM. So it's getting harder to summarize all the, the flavor activity across the countries because it would, again, be a, probably an hour podcast um, to itself. And then we've got China being such a heavy influencer of, of the market and lots of things they're doing. So lots of reports and, and news on that. So yeah, another busy month of, of country news. So yeah, fascinating times as we lead into the uh, to the end of the year. Thanks, Nick, for this good, good wrap up at the end, um, because I think we have come to the end of this podcast. We have talked a lot and uh, shared a lot of information. So with this, I would say that's all the time we have for today. Uh, links to the articles and reports mentioned in this episode, they can be found on our website as usual. And do also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send any questions and feedback our way. Thanks again for tuning in and see you next time. <laughs>